On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PWC on News Talk. Now, the World Athletics Championships wrap up in Budapest this evening. A pretty good week uh, for the Irish. An agonising fourth place for Rashida Adelaki in the 400 metre women's, and also uh, an ag- a, a rather momentous uh, fourth place, and the prospect of more to come from Kira McGee in, in the 1500 metres. Paul McNamara is with us from Budapest. He's the high performance director for Athletics Ireland. Uh, Paul, by your metrics, has this been a, a good championships? Yeah, it's been a very positive championships for us. Um, global championships are a big undertaking. The athletics is a, the most global of all sports, probably along with football. Um, but I guess you know you have small nations all over the world producing prolific and prodigious talent. So uh, I think in in general we set targets of uh, approximately two top eights, four top sixteens, four top twenty fours. Um, we've exceeded that. We're we're knocking on the door of global medals via Kira and Rashida. We're not very far from same with both relays, two relays in finals, mixed 4 by 4 and women's 4 by 4 which is extraordinary. We've mm. never achieved that before. And we've shown greater depth in terms of the number of athletes probing into semi-finals, uh, getting out of heats, and greater breadth in terms of the events, heptathlon, shot put. Um, so it's, it's, we've exceeded targets. It's probably our, our deepest and broadest championships we've ever had. And you know, we, we made a statement of intent via performance strategy that we wanted to be winning medals on a global stage uh, but we're not coming away with a medal we're, we're very very happy with uh, how close we are 12 months out from Paris 24 so from a purely performance perspective this has been a, an exceptionally positive championships for us um, uh, but I think inter- sorry go. you know just give, give us a little bit of an insight into what's going on under the bonnet that's led to this kind of broader increase so like you mentioned you know Kira and Rashida both coming within you know fractions of coming away with the global medals the relay teams region levels that Irish sprint relay teams have never reached before what's behind that what, what, what's fueling this progression yeah well I, there's quite a lot of factors really and you could probably go back to grassroots athletics and the, the reach and stretch of our extensive network of clubs I think we're over 300 clubs at this stage um, so in terms of talent finding its way into our sport uh, we're probably doing that better than we've done before um, in terms of membership, we're up to over 70,000 members. Approximately half of those are juvenile athletes competing in track and field athletics, again, finding their way into sport. In terms of grassroots coaching, we have an extensive network of coach education rolled out on the ground and have done for years. That's adding value to what volunteer coaches are trying to do in their club network. As that trickles up, the talent pool is bigger. Um, at pathway level, by pathway we mean under 18, under 20, into under 23, with like a strong pathway program that's adding value in terms of uh, both key learnings that young athletes need to take on board if they're going to progress into the senior ranks. Um, we've seen greater investment in our sport. We don't have a huge um, financial input into the, the high-performance team, but we have a budget of approximately £2 million per annum. Um, really strong support from government via Sport Ireland. Uh, outstanding sponsors in more123.ie. Uh, Kevin Thompson is CEO. There's a dyed-in-the-wool track and field athletics fan, yeah. um, deeply involved at grassroots level and deeply cares about the progress of the sport. Um, we've outstanding medical and performance services staff in the institute in in Abbottstown that add huge value to what coach athlete pairs are trying to do but like I think probably the most important part is having the emotional intelligence to realise that it's not necessarily high performance systems that add real value it's coaches and athletes on the ground it's it's talent and commitment and the hard work of coaches and I think we've really set out to integrate what otherwise might be people perceiving themselves as sitting outside the system to be very much embedded in what we do 
Okay. And just creating a, a platform for those guys to kick on. There's one net word that you use there which is interesting, which you mentioned that the, the work that is added to that of volunteer coaches. Uh, how many of the coaches of those who are, you know, togging out like the, the, the four girls that are in the, the relay uh, final tonight or those who have been wearing the Irish singlet all week, how many of their coaches are professional and many of them are still amateur? I would imagine virtually all are still amateur to a degree. Uh, most would have full-time day jobs. Um, coaching is a, a very exacting uh, occupation and we tend to have really smart people uh, who are very, very capable adding value to what our athletes do. And I think the context is important here in terms of coaching as a profession in Ireland outside of our sport, but um, as opposed to coaching as a profession in mainland Europe or in the United States, rugby, perhaps at a certain level, uh, football, GAA uh, to a degree, Coaching is very much a voluntary occupation in Ireland and strategy-wise we've set out to incrementally create a platform for coaches to professionalise if they so desire and it's a, it's a tricky pathway because they're very capable people with good careers behind them. So in answer to your question, almost everybody that's here as a coach or has contributed to athlete success here as a coach has a day job. Um, they do in some cases at income streams. I think we have nine contracted coaches that we're providing financial support to. Um, coaches are adding value at our top-end athletes or are creating performance hubs mm. in their own training groups uh, in pe- Dublin, Limerick and Cork. People will wonder though, Paul, is that the sort of thing that uh, you know a group like um, Athletics Ireland can themselves increase or, or is it slightly dependent on the athletes themselves deciding that they want to make this full-time? Because obviously you, you can't just decide that some athlete is going to give up their day job and make this their full-time profession when they might not have enough to get by on. And it's very difficult in that light, I imagine, uh, to have a full-time coach for somebody who isn't necessarily a full-time athlete. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think that most of our athletes are full-time. Um, and I think one of the, the positive outputs over the last couple of years has been the, the increase in funding of Sport Ireland. I think something like 25% of our entire HP budget goes out in direct athlete payments. We have 24 athletes here. Um, almost all of those are in receipt of a decent level of Sport Ireland funding. Um, and look, performing at this level, 12 months out from Paris, 24, does require serious commitment. Whatever about time on the track or time in the gym, it's recovery time is important as well. So contact time with the coach is absolutely critical. And strategically, that we, we that's what we set out to do. Um, but again, we're trying to professionalise coaching against a, I suppose, a culture and a context that is very much amateur. So you're mm-hmm. trying to eke out professional coaching setups um, where that culture doesn't really exist. So it's a challenge and it's something we set out to do kind of organically and incrementally supporting those coaches that are adding value to our top end athletes. Um, look, the paradigm in HP Sport would be very much a centralised model, performance director, head coach and um I think our sport is simply so diverse with so many event groups. Um, it's very, very difficult for us to do that. And yeah. it doesn't generally work outside of uh, former Iron Curtain type uh, situations. So um, I, I think the approach we've taken strategically that we've rolled out over the last couple of years is adding value and uh, does create you know, the early stages of pathway to, to full professionalisation for those mm-hmm. that wish to embrace it. Um, what would be the next steps? I mean, obviously, as regards competitions, you've got the, the European Championships in Rome and then the Olympics in Paris next summer. And that's 
that's obviously the big target for a lot of people. But as regards trying to expand the level of Athletics Ireland's operations, finding more athletes, trying to find more coaches, trying to eke out more people who are capable of featuring at the business end of global finals, what is next? Is it a case of trying to broaden those pathways again, trying to widen the likes of scouting networks? What do you do to try and, and, and make this machine bigger? Yeah, well, resource is important. Um, like you asked me for my reflections on the the performance end of the, the week that we've had, but mm-hmm. in terms of you know the wider picture, um, you know the, the the media impressions we're making at home this week is phenomenal. Um, Munich twelve months ago was outlandish in terms of the the stats we were receiving. Um, I go back to Eurocross twenty twenty one, it was phenomenal again. Munich blew that out of the water, and now it seems that uh, Budapest 23 is blowing Munich out of the water and that's good for our sport, it's good for our coverage, it's good for our sponsors and hopefully the knock-on effect is greater income streams so we can invest more in coaching. Uh, um, But I I think one of the things you've alluded to in your question is talent pool and the reality is that medal winners here at Global Championships in track and field athletics are phenomenally talented human beings and you know they they really are one in a million types and I, I think we do need to find a talent ID system that just finds those individuals with that freakish level of talent. Um, the Ingebrigtsens, the Femke Balls, uh, you name it. Um, and I think despite the reach of our sport into you know every town and village in Ireland virtually, yeah, there's still quite a few children in the country that aren't finding their way into our sport. So we, we need to find a platform, A, to find that talent and B, direct that talent into a pathway that, that um, moves forward. Now that's not going to happen, or at least the fruit of that isn't going to be seen in 2024 or possibly even 2028, but certainly down the line there is scope for us to, to find more incredible talent. Yeah, you're not going to find a Safan, Safan Hassan in every um, village, but you're going to find some people who are capable of doing something. Uh, before we let you go, the 4x4 four four, uh, women's relay is tonight um, there'll be some people wondering why Rashid Adelaki is one of the fastest 400 metre sprinters in the world isn't taking part but obviously and you might have been a part of this discussion that her season has just been so long she was running for months in the US collegiate system before any other pro was competing that it just at this end of the summer she's probably just a tad burnt out is she? Uh, well, there is an element of that, but I think the, the decision-making process was a little bit more uh, nuanced and complex as well. Like um, She does have some underlying issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, in our statements, we referred to a duty of care. Um, she herself felt exhausted, her coach felt exhausted, but our own medical team feel there's a real risk of her running again. And we don't have... I, look, I think we would uh, extend the same duty of care to all our athletes. We, in many ways, would prefer Rashida to be on the line. Um, our, our teams would prefer her to be on the line, but we don't feel she's in a position to be on the line. So I guess Paris 24 is, is the big picture. Um, we very much want her on board at World Relays in the Bahamas in May, which is a major qualifying opportunity mm-hmm. for the Olympic Games. We would like to see her in Europeans, potentially, if that fits into any given athlete's plans towards Paris 24, but we certainly want to see her part of mixed 4x4 and women's 4x4 in Paris 2024, and we need her to be healthy for that. Um, she's had a big year, a big transition. It is very much a learning year, and post-NCAA it hasn't really been optimal for her. Um, so Look, we have an incredibly capable bunch of girls that did something incredible last night, um, got within a tenth of an Irish record in a heat. Mm. Uh, outside of the four girls that took to the track last night, you have Neve Murray, Rashida Adlecki, Phil Healy, Cleena Manning, you know, essentially a second quartet that could compete at the same level. So, you know, we've two relay teams making two global finals. We've never had that before. Mm. Really bodes well. Um, Rashida comes back in there. It's very, very positive. Um, but our our foremost concern is that she's in a position to come back in 12 months time and that's that's critical 
Absolutely. Have to make sure that she's she's capable of the future as well as for now. Uh, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for your time and congratulations on, on everything this week. Uh, wonderful day to talk to you this lunchtime. Paul McNamara, High Performance Director with Athletics Ireland. Uh, after the break, did you know that Alfred Hitchcock, before he was famous, made a film about an Irish play? Don't go away. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Transformation always disrupts, but it doesn't always need to be disruptive. On News Talk.